You're listening to the Nate Lull Podcast. Download each new episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And now, here's Nate. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Today is episode 238 on the Nate Lull Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Nate Lull. And yes, I continue to kind of just be under the weather lately. So if you think my voice sounds funny, I've had to cancel a couple of games we were supposed to do on the radio for local basketball. It's been tough, but I know that many of you can sympathize because I'm pretty much in those early daycare sickness days. Many of you moms and dads that I talk to in my travels say, oh yeah, I remember that. The sickness comes home from daycare and it hits the whole house. So I'm having a blast being a dad, but this sickness thing is tough. But I also know I have to keep pumping out these episodes. I have people constantly emailing me saying, hey, Nate, when's the next episode going to drop? So if I sound a little funny, hey, it's worth it because I got to get this one out. My guest today on 238 is longtime Unitigo boys basketball coach. He's now retired, lives out of the area. It's Jim Knight. And I have to say a big thank you to coach because he lives out of the area. He's back visiting for the holidays in the Albany area. And he took the time He was gracious enough to drive down and join me in the studio. So a huge thank you to him. He didn't have to do that. um, But he is somebody that I connect with quite often uh, via DM, via email. We're always going back and forth. And I'm glad that for people that live out of the area that are still interested in local sports, I can be that connection for them. He's always saying, what game are you going to? Uh, What game are you going to do on the radio? Because he likes to follow along. So that makes me feel good to provide that service to someone who's looking for those scores and standings and broadcasts when they're out of town. So one thing that I really enjoyed, of course, talking about the Mac and, and all his times at Unitigo, but one thing that Coach Knight did was he was out of the area and he coached one year in Arizona. It's a really fun story, and I just loved hearing about it and what he took from that and brought back to New York when he came back and started coaching varsity basketball here. So it's a great story that you'll get to hear about today. Thanks again to Coach Knight, and uh, I really appreciate him coming down to see me in Sydney. We have to say a big thank you to all our sponsors here on the Nate Law Podcast, especially around the holidays. These local businesses do a ton for local athletes and local sports, and for my coverage. Could not do this without them, so please support all the businesses that support me and my work. One of these businesses is Charles J. Houston, Inc. They carry milk in bulk, and you see their trucks everywhere, from the highways going up and down I-88 to all the back roads that I cover when I'm trying to take all those little side winding roads to get from one place to another, and there's a farm out in the middle of nowhere, Charles J. Houston is there. And they are always looking for qualified CDL drivers, and they're also willing to help you get that CDL. So if you're maybe looking for a great career with a very nice local company based right in Mount Upton, and you want to be a driver, and you want to get that CDL, or you already have that CDL, Charles J. Houston is the way to go. So if you are interested in reaching out to them, you can call 607-764-8572. That's 764-8572, or follow them on Facebook. All right, today is episode 238 with longtime boys basketball coach at Unitigo, Jim Knight. Thanks, everybody, and happy holidays from the Nate Law Podcast. It's the most wonderful time of the year 
With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the half happiest season of all. All right, hey, welcome back, everybody. Today is episode 238 here on the Nate Law podcast, and I feel like I'm on a good hot streak here of having some legendary local coaches on. If you listen to 237 right before this, I had. Longtime uh, BG girls coach Bob Conway on. He just hit 500 career wins at BG, and he's going for 600 uh, in his overall career between BG and Mount Upton. And today I'm joined by longtime Unitigo coach. He's made some other stops, but uh, Jim Knight is in the house. So, Coach, thank you for being here. Thank you, Nate. I was real, uh, re- I really looking forward to this when you contacted me, and uh, it's a privilege being here. Well, this is great because I was thinking about it yesterday. You and I have... We've emailed back and forth. We've sent messages back and forth. But I, I really wasn't doing this job when you were coaching, per se. So it's great to you know officially kind of get together and have a chat. This is great. That's true. Back when I was coaching, it was uh, pretty much all the Daily Star was where the coverage came from. And uh, you just do a fantastic job covering high school sports now. Well, thank you. And, you know, something that you said right before we jumped on the air kind of stuck with me. But... Um, when you, you're still following it today, I mean, you're out of the area, and we can talk about that. But you know, you're following it from afar. Do you do you feel like things have changed from when you were coaching to now in terms of you see all these mergers, you see less kids playing? What are your What are your thoughts on all that? Well, one thing I, I was talking with my wife about it when when this topic came up of doing this, and uh, one thing that sticks out to me, and and I I guess it's a really good thing, are the live. Uh, the live feeds for all these games. Mm. I mean, I, I'm in Florida, and I get to see these these games, which is just fantastic. But what it does is it takes away all the scouting <laughs> that we used to do. I mean, I remember how I, I how many nights we I'd get out of practice, hop in the truck, and go somewhere to scout a game and not get home until 9 o'clock at night for dinner so, <laughs> or else grab a hot dog at whatever school I was exactly. at. Exactly. You didn't. There weren't live feeds, so you had to you had to do it. You just get in the vehicle and go if you wanted to scout games. Not not, not all coaches did. They just practiced and went home. But I oh I can't imagine how many miles I put on my yeah. vehicle scouting games. Well, let me get your thoughts on this. Coach Conway, who was just here last week with me, said, "I don't watch the videos. I still prefer to go and get in the truck and make a trip because he goes. I think there's still things." You can't see on the video. That's true, and good for Bob. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, there's probably not many coaches that, that still do that. No. But, uh, oh, I used to. We used to go all over, and especially when I w- left Unitigo and went to Delhi Warren and I, we, we would. I mean, we went made trips to Moravia and, yeah. and schools out there just to get ready for sectionals. It was crazy. It was a crazy time. So who, if you're, you know, if you're down in Florida now and it's an average weeknight, what are the games you're trying to watch, or are you just any any good game you're trying to put it on? I will. Uh, well, my heart, my heart is in Unitigo still and always. So I try to get as many of their games, and and if I'm not busy, um, I try to get Delhi too. I got very close to some of the parents and and players over there, and uh, Warren Kelly and I are just best of friends. And so I like to see what he's doing these days. Delhi, over the last, I would say, boy, 
five, eight years or so, has just put together such a nice program. And Warren does such a good job. And just year after year, you think, how can they replace what they had? And it, just a new group comes up from the JV. And I'm just, I'm just so impressed. What was it like working with Warren and getting to maybe mentor him a little bit? Well, Warren, um, going back, going back to when I was at Unitigo, Warren was always, he was a good coach. He was well-respected, but he was very predictable. He always played a two, three zone Mm. that he lived and died with it. And for the most part, he was always a 500 program. And, I used to like playing Delhi because they were so easy to prepare for. You knew they were going to be in that two-three zone. So anyway, when I got done at Unitigo, he gave me a call and said he wanted to change the culture in Delhi. And I was at, at that time I was strictly man-to-man coach. And he goes, "I want you to come over here and teach us man-to-man." So, long story short, four years of driving back and forth to Delhi every night. Oh my gosh. Um, but it, I had just a great, great time there. I had so much fun. What is it about, you see that, you see some coaches that love zone and you see some that love man. In your eyes, is it just you got to do what you have personnel-wise or is it more of a philosophy thing like we can do this if we learn it? You you have to be able to change to your personnel. Uh, I, I'm a firm believer in that. But the base, um, like when I was a JV coach, I was a zone coach. Um, reason being... JV teams just don't have two or three shooters. They may have one. So you could get by playing two or three zone. Varsity, I found out varsity is different. Varsity, especially nowadays, they have uh, two, three, four guys that can shoot the ball. Right. So I found out if you man them up and pressure man-to-man, put ball pressure, you can dictate to them the way they're going to play. And that's what I always try to get across to my players. We're going to tell them how they're going to play. They're not going to tell us. So It's so interesting you say that because I feel like in, in all my travels and my radio games, I, I do, I see a lot of teams that will just sit in zone and I guess hope for the best. I hate to say it that way, but I love getting a radio game where it's an intense man-to-man pressure, full court. I mean, it just, it really, to me, makes the game more fun. That's why when our big rivalry at Unitigo was always Sydney. Right. And Mike Brzee, who I respect as higher than almost anybody. Sure. Um, he was just a great coach. We had some battles. And it, both teams playing man-to-man, physical. Um, it was like first team to 40 wins. And that's just the way it was almost every night. <laughs> and But the the kids loved it. The fans loved it. And and at we as coaches we loved it. We, it. That was just a fun night. You knew what kind of game it was going to be. So you better you better be prepared for it. So I'll have to put you on the spot now that you say that. We've had so much debate in here on on some of the great local boys teams. You know where do you kind of put that '98 Sydney team with all the the horses that 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 they had that went on to win a state championship? What was it like seeing that team? They were they were super and. Mike knew how to mold mold those guys into a really, really good team. But individually, they were very, very, very skilled. And they certainly were a tough matchup for anybody they played. And uh, Mike, was he was a very tough, demanding coach. But, boy, his results, you can't question the results he got. And uh, 
he's just a great guy. It's, it's such a dedicated coach he was. I miss having him. I mean, he's still around, obviously, and I see him on the golf course, and mm-hmm. I've seen him sitting in the stands at a few games, and it brings me to my next question of, you know, if you're Mike or, or someone like yourself or some of these guys who have coached a long time, how do you know when it's time? I mean, because it, it's like with this job. I don't – and Coach Conway says it too. They're going to have to drag me out of here, you know. <laughs> I mean, when you love it that much, it's hard to let it go. How did you know when it was the time to take the next step in life? Well, my body told me. Mm. Um, I, I had – at the end of my career, I started having back issues, and I went through the injections and the chiropractors and everything else, and finally I got to the point where that didn't, that wasn't doing it, and uh, I just had to stop. I, I couldn't stand long enough and practice was the problem. Gotcha. And, um, but if you're healthy, I don't know if anybody knows it's time. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I know Mike, Mike, I'm sure Mike misses it. I, I miss it. I, I miss it in my heart, um, and oh, you! When I'm watching live live feed in Florida and some of these games up here, I'm yelling. <laughs> my my wife's over there laughing at me, and says, "You know, you're not on the sideline anymore." And I go, "Yeah, I know, but uh, my well, like I said, my back told me it was time to stop." The first season, you were completely away from it. You know, Unitigo, Delhi, mm-hmm. and you're somewhere else, and that first you know week in november rolls around how did that hit you emotionally oh it was tough it was tough i i i used to just i had the date circled the yeah. start date you know we're up we're this is the first night of practice and we're getting after it and the kids are ready and i was chomping at the bit and uh, <laughs> a lot of a lot of my players were football guys or soccer guys so they had to adjust you know on the fly and get in the gym and get in basketball shape and and uh, preseason was really tough. I was I was I worked them pretty hard. We used to run stairs in the high school and and they knew it. They when at the end of practice they knew they had done something. But I I just like I said I had the date circled on the calendar and ready to go. So I thought since I didn't get to know you as as well as I know some other coaches that I you know cover over the years, I thought maybe we could take a trip down memory lane here and, and <laughs> give us a little background on, on where you started, went to school, all those type of things. Well, I, I was a Unitigo graduate. Um, th- I have three daughters. They all went to Unitigo. They graduated from Unitigo. So, and my wife and I were very active when my daughters were in school with the Booster Club. And I hadn't done any coaching, you know, a little bit Little League and back in those days. But... Um, I got a call one night from Roger Brown. Ah, Roger, yes. (laughs) In 98, and it was a week after practice had started. And he says, I got to run something by you. And I go, yeah, what's up? Our JV coach just quit. And uh, he says, I'm I'm in need of a coach. And he says, would you be willing to try it? We'll get your first aid and your CPR done in one day we'll have we'll we'll have them come right into school and we'll get that done and I said Roger I'll try it I said I gotta I gotta make sure I can I was working at Amphenol at the time and I said I gotta be able to make sure I can get out early enough to get to practice he sure. said, well, I'll give you late practices that's not a problem so I went home talked to my wife and said let's go for it we'll try it um, Larry Lang was the varsity coach Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so Larry and I had a meeting, and 
he sort of laid down what he wanted to see the JVs doing. So I, I really was trial by error, and we jumped in and had fun. It was fun. I I couldn't believe how much fun I was having. Were I you, said, they're actually paying me to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Were you nervous at first not having much coaching experience, I guess, at an upper level like that? Oh, definitely. I I. I, I leaned on Larry a lot uh, early on, and uh, he said, "Don't worry about it. You're doing good." He would we would practice together, Jamie and Varsity in the same gym, and he would he, he'd come down and watch my stuff, and and he goes, "You're doing great." He goes, "Don't worry about it." And then games, I, you know, I had to feel my way through with the referees and parents and everything else, but uh, it all worked out, and it was. It was so much fun. I, I I was hoping Roger would invite me back the next year, and sure enough, he did, and I was there for six years doing JV. You know, I've always asked this to coaches who aren't teachers in the school. Did you find it hard to be somewhere else during the day at, at your day job and then come in to the gym at night? Did you have a different relationship with the kids, do you think, because of that? It definitely was. It was. I think it's much tougher. If you're with the kids all day, you see them in the hall, whether you have them in a class or not. Sure. You see them in the hall. You know, you you. I think you grow closer. When I would come from Amphenol and pull into the parking lot and walk into the gym, get the balls out, and here we go. And uh, but it's tough. Sometimes there's discipline issues during the day <laughs> that that you're not right. aware of. Right, right. And so I'd have teachers waiting for me at the school <laughs> when I showed up. This guy was a knucklehead today, or that guy was a knucklehead today, and you need to talk to this one. And so that that part of it, it's much easier to be in the school. But we got by. I had a great boss in Amphenol, and even if I had a 3.30 practice, he'd let me leave early from work. And as long as I could make it up in the morning, so early morning the next day, I'd have to go in. And But it all worked out. Just because I'm always curious when we have – Amphenol guys in here. What what'd you do at the plant for your your time? Well, I was there thirty one years. Um, I started out as a machinist. I was a machinist the majority of the time, and uh, then I got into quality. And uh, about the last five years, I was an inspector, line inspector, which I liked a lot. And my wife worked there. She was in salary side. I was union side, and uh, we didn't butt heads too bad too much about <laughs> it, but. Uh, but uh, no, I, I had you know a lot of great friends at work, and and uh, Amphenol is the reason we I, we left the area and went to Arizona. <laughs> she was transferred to Arizona. I wondered about that. Yeah, and uh, I it's my end of my sixth JV season, she was offered a job uh, to run their plant in Mexico, and uh, so we packed up and moved. And that was really tough, leaving the area. Um, but we got out there, and lo and behold, uh, I didn't have a job, so I had to find a job when I got there. But I, uh, it just so happened the town we moved to, they were looking for a JV boys basketball coach and uh, had a guy who knew the varsity coach real well, and he set up a meeting with me, and uh, I sat there for two hours talking with this guy, and he hired me on the spot. Out there, the varsity coach does all the hiring for his oh, wow. program. It's not the athletic director. It's the varsity coach. And him and I really hit it off. He was a uh, middle school principal and just a super guy. We still we still stay in touch. Uh, and uh, I learned so much. I, I was only, We were only out there a year. and uh, But I had a fantastic JV team. Um, 
12 Mexican kids. Right, and, right. And uh, I was not bilingual. And funny story, uh, first night of practice, uh, varsity coach brings me in and uh, introduces me to the kids. And then he says, you're on your own. I have my own practice to run. So he left and went to the, our other <laughs> gym. So I call the guys in and explain where I came from and what I, what I wanted to accomplish. And super kids, just super kids. Well, we were in the practice five minutes. And all of a sudden, everything in Spanish, you guys are talking to each other. I blew, blew the whistle, called everybody over. I said, I, I don't speak Spanish. And from here on out, the rest of the season, every word in this gym will be English. Right. I want to know what's being said. <laughs> yeah. And they all nodded their heads and smiled. And from that, I never had another issue the rest of the season. They were the most respectful kids I've ever been around in my life. Wow. And super athletes, dedicated athletes. And the parents were went out of their way to welcome me and— uh, it was we had a, just a great time. We ended up fifteen and one that year, so we had a really good team. But during the interview with the varsity coach, I go, "Exactly, what kind of program am I walking into here?" Right. He goes, "Well, look over there, and on this shelf was this, I don't know, probably three to four feet trophy." And he says, "We were state champs last year." Wow! <laughs> and I said, "Oh no!" <laughs> and I was going from a shot clock to a non-shot clock, no shot clock out there. Right. So I had, I told him, that really concerns me. I don't know. I have to learn this. And he goes, you'll be fine. I said, don't teams just get up a little bit and just stall? That's what I'm wondering, yeah. He said, absolutely not. It's played the same. He goes, maybe at the end of the game, and you have to, you have to account for that. But he goes, mo- the majority of the game is just like they play in New York. I guarantee it. Huh. And he was right. Were there many other big differences or similarities that you noticed? Uh, one thing, in around here, even on the JV level, I got so I knew most of the referees. And I could not argue with them, but discuss things with them. Sure. Out there, you didn't talk to the referee. They didn't want to hear a word from you. You could coach your kids, but don't you question a call. Really? <laughs> they did not want to hear it. And, and pretty much— they, it, Pretty much everyone was like that. So that took some getting used to. But other than that, I had a great time. Just a great time. Do you, and I'm, I'll ask you your, your opinion on this. Do you feel like not talking to the officials helped overall? Because we have such an issue right now. And, and Section 4 has put a, put a big push on sportsmanship. And, and a lot of it is maybe not coaches, but um, parents yelling at refs and, and did you feel like the culture was different out there if the refs took no nonsense uh yeah parent parents didn't say anything right and and you're absolutely right <laughs> it's getting to the point where parents need to tone it down yeah it's been crazy yes and and coaches too coaches too but i when i got done coaching i had i had made so many friendships with not just other coaches but officials there, I there were some officials. I when I saw them walk through the door, I wasn't always sure who we were going to have that night for our game. I mean, I was grinning ear to ear. Yeah. They were just good guys. They're good officials and good guys. And there's very few poor officials. I, there's a, a few, but not many, that would give me a hard time. Yeah. They all, as long as I could, don't address them. Don't yell at them. Right. You know. 
mentioned calls or call them over. A lot of times they would just come over during a free throw or something, and you stand there and chat. I, you know, I, I didn't really agree with that call you just made, but right. and he'd say, well, you know, maybe I missed it, maybe I didn't. You know, and some, and that's the relationship I had with a lot of a lot of officials. It's easy for me because I'm neutral and I'm in a game covering it, but I've gotten to know, and we've had a few on here, uh, a lot of great officials. They're just friendly, nice, you know, men and women. Uh, they support what I do, and I have found that if a coach does that approach, maybe during a, a foul shot, they come over, they have a nice conversation. I don't want to say things go their way down the road, but the coaches that come unglued all the time, I, I'm seeing more and more that that just that tactic i don't know doesn't work no, as well anymore no, it, i don't know it, it will not they'll, i mean they'll <laughs> hold it against your kids right and that's right. You know, that's i that would was one thing i did ask of them i said i don't care what you think about me don't take it out on my kids sure and, and i had i had a couple of officials where that i just didn't get along i they didn't like me and i didn't like them <laughs> and i ended up back then i don't know if you still can i could Put them on my black ball list. Yeah, they didn't do our. There was two officials that didn't do our games. I we I just as much as I tried, and maybe I didn't try hard enough, but we did not get along. <laughs> <laughs> so you're only in Arizona for one year. I didn't realize one that. year, fifteen months. My wife just got tired. It was, she had to cross the border every day into Mexico. Oh wow! And like get up at five and and go down to the Infinal warehouse on the U.S. side, hop on a shuttle bus. And go and cross the border, and run the plant in Mexico, and it just got really old. Uh, so she contacted Sydney, asked her any way she could come back, and they gave her her old job back. And wow, and back we came, and I got here, and and just so happened, <laughs> I got a call. I don't know, maybe a week after we were back, it was Roger Brown again at Unitigo, <laughs> and he says, are you back for good? He goes, I had, a, I heard a rumor, and I said, yeah, we're back, and he goes, I need a varsity coach. Are you interested? Wow. And I said, absolutely, I'm interested, so I went up and talked to Roger, and I said, I said, Roger, I need a job, and I said, is there anything here at school? And he goes, well, what'd you do in Arizona? I said, I was a teacher's aide uh, for special ed kids, high school, and he goes, we need one of those, too. And at the time, Jeff Bennett was the principal. I went in and met with him, and he hired me on the spot as a teacher's aide. So I became varsity boys coach and teacher aide job in the same day. <laughs> Do you feel like, in a way, it's one of those things like in life where the stars aligned for Absolutely. you? I mean, I, I had no idea Roger was looking for a boys coach right. when, when we moved back. <laughs> and. I mean, you could knock me over off my feet with a feather when he told me that. And, and he says, are, are you still interested? Do you still love the game like you did? And I go, I love it more than I did. And uh, I said, and now being in Arizona, I, I've seen, a, you know, a, a different look, a different take on the game of basketball. And, and I, I can't wait to get at it if you want me to coach your team. And so I was there for eight years, nine years. When you left Unitigo the first time, when you were going to Arizona, mm -hmm. did you feel somewhere in your heart like I'm I'm leaving an opportunity to be a varsity coach down the line? I at the time um, I was I was I considered myself a very successful JV coach, but I that you're uh, and I'll be the first one to say a coach is only as good as its players. I had some great kids come through. It's a great point, and. Uh, I mean, you can you can know 
every X and O there is in the game. If you don't have somebody to go out and, and, you know, do it, forget it. But, and I really did. I had some great kids, very coachable kids. And the group I had in Arizona were really coachable. And, um, I came, when I came back, um, when, well, when I went out, I, I did kind of, I said, I don't know if I'm ever going to coach again. I don't know what's going to happen exactly. out there. Yeah. And it was just pure luck that I walked into a town that was looking for a JV coach. And he got, a, and the varsity coach got on the phone, called Roger up to get reference. And, and I was coming off a 19 and one JV team. And, uh, he hired me as soon as he got off the phone with Roger. He says, "You're you're the guy I want." So it's amazing too that the stars aligned and, and you end up at a program in Arizona that was so successful too that they had an opening uh, in a program that had won a state championship. Exactly. And, you know, yeah. A lot of times, even the the youth jobs and the JV jobs are all tied up. Tied up for a lot of years. Yeah. Um, and out there, they had a freshman team. We didn't have a freshman team at Unitigo. They had a freshman JV and varsity. And that was another thing I had to get used to. We had, we, the town I lived in was called Rio Rico, and we were about, we were way south. We were only 10 miles from the border. And we were playing schools up in Phoenix and Scottsdale, and it was a two-and-a-half, three-hour drive some some of these schools. Jeez. And every night, you're playing three games. All three teams traveled on the bus, freshman, JV, and varsity. So we didn't get home. There was nights we didn't get home till 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. We had to feed the kids after the game. Right. And the travel was the travel was rough. But I'm wondering if your back hurts because you rode three hours on a school bus. <laughs> <It> could be. <laughs> oh, we had some we had some great trips. We there was a, the freshman coach. I got along great with him. And there was a young guy, a teacher at that school, um, who was the assistant varsity coach and him and I hit it off. He was, he was in his early twenties and uh, he was like a basketball sponge. He wanted to learn so much about the game. Well, now he is in Iowa where he, his wife is from and he has coached three state champion girls teams. Wow. And I stay in touch with him a lot. And uh, he's just a super guy and, I, I mean, he'll end up as a, with a college job if, yeah. he, if he wants it. That's great you stayed in touch with all these guys, too. Oh, yeah, I, I really got close to them out there. I, we had just a great time in Arizona, just a great time. What do you feel like is the biggest takeaway from your Arizona experience when you when you start back up with Unitigo with the varsity job? Well, I, one thing I had to do is get back and get used to the shot clock again. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, defenses um, out there, if one reason the varsity coach hired me, he goes, what do you play back there? And I said, well, I just coached six years. I said, two, three zone. He goes, don't tell me you're a Bayheim guy. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, yeah. I said, he goes, well, I'm a one, three, one guy and we want a state championship playing one, three, one. So I'm not going to change and play your two, three. He says, but I would like to pick your brain on it and learn all the concepts of it, when sure. to, where to trap, when to trap, you know, all your rotations. And uh, and so I spent time in his practice when we were separate, um, and uh, he would come over and, and our, watch my, ours. And then game nights, he was he would sit on my bench and just watch everything I did, you know. And, Interesting. And, uh, so he's trying to learn from you, too. Oh, yeah, and and back and forth. And his 1-3-1, one, one, I got so I did like that 1-3-1, one, one, and I brought that back, and we tried it. 
um, on the vars- at the varsity level. I feel like I rarely see one three one here. Throw it's, it in for a couple possessions, yep, yep. and then get out of it. So yep. it's a tough it it's a tough uh, defense to go against. And if if you have to have the kids that want to hustle, your kid up top has to really want to hustle, and your kid on the bottom has to hustle. And if if they don't, the teams will pick it apart. But you can really get some great trapping out of a one three one. Yeah. And, uh, so since you were only gone for the one year, did you end up having some Unitigo guys that you'd had on JV on your varsity team? I did, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and that that made it the transition easier. Um, I knew a lot of the kids, uh, almost all the parents, um, <clears throat> the administration at the school, uh, I, I, all the teachers. I, you know, I just I had been there for a while, and and every, every, the transition was just so easy. And uh, but I had to get used to the varsity game. Um, no more, only one. You're only going to face one shooter on a team. You know now. Right. Now you got to pay attention. And that's that's when the scouting started. You know, get go watch these teams play. So when you come back, what year is this? Would be like mid two thousands. It was. Uh, I started uh, varsity at Unitigo the oh five oh six season. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so yeah, you're you're coming back, and now you're in the MAC. We were in the MAC. So the MAC is relatively still new at that point. A couple yes. of years old, yes. four or five years old, I yes. guess. Um. But yeah, some very good teams during that era oh, for sure. Oh, a lot of good teams. There, like, you, you didn't have very many easy games in the MAC league. I feel like that's when UV was kind of in oh, their heyday. Oh yeah, Matt was. Yeah. Matt was had <laughs> Matt and uh, Jackson had just switched. Oh right, yes. And, uh, and Matt was he had his kids all always ready to play, and uh, of course Mike and and Gary Williams over in Walton and you know. These guys were getting after it. Yeah, and uh, no, you had to you had to have your kids ready to play. Was there anybody locally, as you were even coming up as a JV coach, that you had as a mentor or that you went to for advice? I mean, you mentioned Mort before we got on here. I didn't know if there was anybody that you really admired locally and tried to get advice from. When I got the uh, when I got the aid job at school, Mort was was still uh, working there. Okay, and. Um, during our sometimes our lunches, or if we had a free uh, period at the same time, um, I would go down and, and see him, and we would he would X and O <laughs> and get his dry dry board out, and and we would oh yeah quite often, <laughs> and uh, the it was funny when he won his uh, championship, he was like almost he, he told me the entire game possession by possession exactly what happened and and I'm sitting there I'm loving it you know but yeah no I spent a lot of hours with Mo yeah I really and we were talking about it before we jumped on to to have a chance to sit with all of those Oneana greats in one room I mean uh, I'm getting chills right now thinking about how great that was um and just what a magical thing for him as a coach to be able to pull that off with that group. And yeah, sitting there and having lunch with him every day had to just be like, okay, you talked about being a sponge. Like what, what can I absorb from this guy? That was a, that was a special team two years there. He had that team. My daughters were playing for Unitigo then. Right. And 
holy cow, when they played Oneana, <laughs> it was like, hold on. <laughs> oh, he was, and, and Mo is such a good coach. He, I mean, they, he had a lot of talent, a lot of size. I mean, Chrissy Z at point guard was unheard of, you know. Right. She was 5'10", 11, I don't know. And our, you know, our girls were five foot, you know. <laughs> but, uh, no, he had a lot of talent on that team, and, and they had a great coach to lead them. I mean, is there is there even any arguing that's probably the best girls team we've ever had around here? It's the best one I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm I'm not watching them now, but it, it, Bob Conway's had some really good teams with the Mattingly girl and the Baldwin girls, and and uh, but that Oneana team was really t- top to bottom. I mean, they could go nine, ten deep, and they were a really good team. We've talked about. Um, you know, I had Courtney Mattingly on here. I've had Bob on twice. Talked about those BG teams. I'd like to research some more on those green teams with Bill Case's daughters. Mm-hmm. I don't know that much about them, but it sounds like they were very good. And in the last few years, we've had some of our smaller schools do very well, including the Delhi girls winning a, a state title in Class D in 2018, if mm-hmm. my math serves me right. But I just don't know if I look at it top to bottom. Doing that Oneana podcast, and I, I think Mort said... Everybody on that team went on to play a college sport, whether it was basketball or soccer or swimming. Or that team was just loaded with athletes. Yes, you know when when you can <laughs> say that, you know you have athletes on your team. Yeah, and you brought up Delhi. I mean, when I was over there, I got very close with Todd Bruce, and I, I what just, a guy! I think the world of Todd. And I would I would sometimes they, the girls would come in after our boys practice, and I would hang around half hour just watching his practices he is the best practice coach i've ever been around really oh he's good his drills are nonstop. i mean you don't you don't walk from one spot to another they're running and hustling and oh he's just a super coach and he's very good as a as a game coach too but his attention to detail always strikes me and every year you know whether he's picked to win the league or be dead last you know he always somehow gets the most out of every group that he has and that i've always been so impressed like that it's like there's never a down year even when everyone you know in november saying oh i don't know how we're going to be this year it's like he finds a way to do that do you think that's something you as a coach too it's like we can't have down years we have to find ways to you have to be even even if your talent level is down you have got to find a way to be competitive that was one thing i when anybody asks me about my coaching, the one thing I say is I tried to have my team as prepared as I could get them every night. That doesn't mean you're going to win. Right. But I want to give them every chance to win. Whether whether talent-wise, we weren't even close to the team we are playing. But this is what we need to do to have a chance or to beat this team. So this is always a broad question. I, I think coaches struggle with it, but I'll, I'll ask Part one and part two. Part one would be when you look at your varsity career, do you have that highlight? Do you have that moment, something that you accomplished, that your team accomplished, that that's what you look back on the most? It's a really funny story. (laughs) (laughs) We were playing Sydney. I can't remember the year, but I'm pretty sure it was a year that when Mike won his second state championship. Okay, like 07? Yes. Yeah. I had scouted them, and my team was, we were pretty good. And I came away from that Sydney game that I scouted, and I said, there is no way. There is absolutely no way that we can beat that team. 
So, and they were coming up like in a week and a half. So I'm like, every night I'm trying to figure out a way. And so I walked into practice Monday of the week of that game, of the Sydney game, and they were playing it at our place. <laughs> and I said, now before you guys think, I don't want you to think I've lost my mind, but this is what we're going to do. We're not going to give them the basketball. We are going to run the shot clock down every possession. Mm. Well, <laughs> CDO was doing the game that night. Greg Davis. Greg was there. <laughs> Greg okay. was there. And we start the game out. And Sydney goes down. They get the tip. They go down and score. So we're bringing it up. And my two guards, I had two guards. I didn't really have a point guard. They were the same size, Kyle Palmer and Alex Hendrickson. And they stand out front, and we're, they just pass the ball back and forth. And Mike's not coming out and playing them. He's just sitting back. And they're looking over at me. And, well, we said all we can practice. We worked on this all week. <laughs> and we don't take a shot until there's seven left on the shot clock. Right. That way, you never know. We'll get a rebound or something. You never know. So they're looking over at me. And we did this, like, two or three possessions. Well, now the fans I was gonna say. are the parents now they're getting a little antsy. Will you shoot the ball? You can't beat anybody if you don't shoot the ball. And <laughs> I'm like, I'm looking down, and and Roger Brown was over in the corner, and I'm looking at him, and he's like looking at me, have you lost your mind? <laughs> well, that Mike never came out and played us in the first half, and that's exactly what we did. And at halftime... We were ahead of 11 to 7. No way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so my guys go running into the locker room at halftime. They're hooting and hollering, hey, we're going to win this game. I said, we haven't won anything yet. Right. I said, if you think Coach Brzee is going to let us stand out there and pass the ball back and forth the entire game, you're crazy. And so we come out. I said, we're not changing anything. So we came out. And started doing the same thing. Well, Mike watched it for one or two more possessions, and he said, no more of this. And they came out and jumped us, and they ended up winning the game by seven or eight points. But I, <laughs> to this day, I said, that is the only chance we have against this team. And I'll take it to my grave. <laughs> that uh, That was like one of the most fun nights I've had. I love that you had the guts to do it, to try it, right? Well, even my wife thought I was nuts. Everybody thought I was nuts. I can, just sitting here, I can feel, like I've had those games where I'm on the radio and, and the fans start getting real antsy <laughs> and they start yelling stuff and no one knows quite, and I'm in my mind, I'm always thinking, coach has a plan, whatever game this might be. <laughs> right. Just let it play out a little right. bit, right? So, I, Or you hope he has a plan. Yeah, you hope he has a plan. <laughs> but uh, it was funny. We were coming out of the locker room at halftime, and Greg Davey, who's on the radio, met me in the hallway. And he says, the next time you pull a stunt like this, will you please let me know ahead of time? Do you know how difficult it is to announce a game like this? <laughs> That's a great point. I would probably be sitting—I mean, there's only so many times you can say— Passes to him, passes exactly. to him, passes to him. Um, I said, sorry, Greg, I just didn't want anybody to know what no. we're going to be doing. That is, that's great. <laughs> but that was a really fun night. What did you think of that Sydney team overall? I thought, I, I never, never dawned on me they would win a state championship. I don't think it dawned on them either. No, that, I mean, they just blossomed come, come sectional time, and it just carried them on through. I was recently, I somehow stumbled across a video, um that was like recapping their season. 
and it had interviews in it. And early in the year, they had maybe struggled a little bit. I think like a tip-off tournament, they'd lost a couple games. And and then about midway through the season and into sectionals, they're interviewing Mike, and he's saying like, if you had told me at the beginning of the season we'd be here winning the section, I would have told you you were crazy. So and then they just kept going and going and going. It just right place, right time. Oh, they I guess. definitely, they de- as the season went on, they definitely improved. And I saw them early, and um, I think I think they're in the Norwich tournament, a tip off tournament over there, and they lost. And oh, Mike was furious that night because <laughs> he thought they should have won. Sure. And uh, it was another funny story, but it was a Sydney team, so <laughs> they were they were down like. 10 or 12 points and with just five, six, seven seconds left and there was like a dead ball and his players started walking off the court. Well, you never saw Sydney ever. Sydney guys didn't just walk off a court. Sure. Oh, Mike lost it. Mike, Mike completely <laughs> lost it. <laughs> He's screaming at him to get back on there on that court and there's like five seconds left. <laughs> so they did, but I, I was chuckling over that one. I thought this was a neat little piece of trivia and I'll see if you remember this. I, I wouldn't have known this unless they mentioned it in this video. Sydney didn't win the MAC that year because they didn't play in the MAC championship game. The video, the recap video said something about they had scheduled too many too games. Too many games. Yes, too many games. And so they didn't play in the league championship. Mike was not real popular in the village of Sydney when, when, that, when that happened. I can't even imagine. So I you do remember, remember that. that. I do remember that. Yep, it was scheduling you're scheduling goof up because in this video they kind of they kind of glazed over it was like and they finished the regular season blah 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 (laughs) and they didn't play in the mag championship (laughs) and so i started researching and i said oh my gosh that's like every coach's worst nightmare Mm -hmm. yeah um but then they go on and win the section win the state like how that's some trivia question on a game show someday you know what team won the state didn't win their league type of thing but um but mike was such a good coach he was he's just a great guy great guy and a great coach and it was i used to look forward to sydney games who else did you have big rivalries with in your varsity years uh uv for a while um they 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 would get us we could play them at home and every time we went over there in that gym uh, we just didn't play well and a lot of that was was matt osborne he had his teams prepared um always had good games with gary williams walton teams I have another funny story if you want to hear it. Oh, for sure. We went and here's another another one. They thought I was nuts. <laughs> they had a they had a really good team. Um, uh, geez, I can't remember Dan, uh, Danny. Um, geez, they were big, really big guys. Sure. And um, I wasn't sure we you know we could beat them or not. But we, so let's go over and we'll play real hard. We'll try to press them, and if they get us in a half court game, we, we I don't like our chances, but. So anyway, they had a point guard, and I won't mention his name, but um, who was one heck of a football player over there, and he played point on their basketball team, and he couldn't shoot. This kid could not shoot. He, he couldn't make a shot from outside of five feet. Right. We didn't guard him. Oh, I yeah. left him unguarded. He, he would dribble the ball up the floor and nobody in front of him, and he would get to the top of the key, and there's nobody in front of him. And... I said, if he wants to shoot, let him shoot. That's exactly what I want him to do. And, <laughs> and it was funny. <laughs> Warren Kelly was scouting us that night, scouting us or Walton, one or the other. But he he comes over at halftime, puts his arm around my shoulder, and he goes, 
People say you sometimes lose your mind. He goes, tonight you've lost. I've never seen anybody leave a player unguarded. So we played five against their four for most, pretty much all night. And, and, and it was it was just a funny story. Gary looked over at me shaking his head, and, and we had, it was just a good time. A lot of great coaches back in that era of, of the Mac, for sure. Some of them still doing it. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's great seeing Matt and and Warren still yeah. having some great battles, and it, they've had some really good teams. You know, UV winning another sectional championship in, in recent memory. So yeah. um, certainly, Jeff, Jeff Paskey was another one over in Green. Jeff and I had some great games together. Yeah, and uh, he's down. I think he's down in Johnson City. Johnson now. City, and uh, I miss him. We had some great talks. He's always real good to me uh, when we go down there. Seems like they host a lot of sectional events, um, sectional finals for football and some basketball stuff. And he's always, it's always really good to me. Yeah, and you you asked what I missed about coaching. I miss I miss other coaches. I miss. Uh, we always used a scrimmage South Court, right, with Bobby Van Valkenburg. Yeah. Bobby and I were real close friends. Lee Fisher. We always used a scrimmage Davenport. Lee was just top shelf. I mean, you don't. You don't beat Lee Fisher. You know, he's just a gentleman, a tremendous coach. And I, guys like that. And Jerry Mackey and Oneana, we would play some play sometimes we'd we'd get them on our schedule or at least we'd always scrimmage them. Sure. And Jerry is just a great basketball coach. I called Lee last week and asked if I could get him back on here because you've probably heard me say this. Some of the ones I did early in COVID, I mean, we were just kind of figuring this out on the fly. I was doing interviews over the phone. You couldn't meet anybody face-to-face. So there's some of those ones that I'm like, I, I want to get that person back in here and, and hear some more of their stories. So I'm excited to get Lee back in here. And I've had Jerry a few times, and he's just so full of stories. And, oh, I'm sure he is. <laughs> and he's he's a blast. We've had Bob once, but he doesn't love the microphone. Um, but I bet we could, bet, we could get him back again, I think. Mm-hmm. But... Um, just yeah, love all those guys. Just just great guys. So my my part two of that original question, and I've started to ask this recently to coaches because it's a hard question, but like I feel like you learn a lot from failures, right? Do you feel like you had something in your coaching career that you learned a lot from because you made a mistake or you tried to correct yourself the second time around? I'm just Always curious about that. Well, stuff. yeah, I mean, there's times when you lose, especially if it's close. You second guess what did I do that for? Why, you know, why didn't I go to press sooner? Or why was why did I stay in the press that long? Or why did I let him play with three fouls and you know just stuff like that? Yeah, at least I used to was second guess myself. Yeah, um, but the one that really stands out is when I was over in Delhi the last year. I was there. Um, we were playing sectional finals at Suco against Newfield. Oh, great game. Oh, and uh, Warren had scouted him. I hadn't seen him. And uh, the night he went out there, I couldn't go. And uh, But we started against them, and they were better than I thought they were going to be. And I think better than our kids thought they were going to be. And we were 15 down at halftime, and we were really good. We had a really good team. Very good team. And our defense was smothering, and we couldn't we couldn't defend this team. So we went in at halftime, and you know everybody's pointing fingers. The kids are upset. They you know they didn't believe this was happening to them. So Warren said his spiel, and he looked at me. Says, "The floor is yours." So I said. If we continue to play like we just played, 
we're going to lose by 30, 25 to 30. I said, you guys better get used to it because that's what's going to happen. Or we can go out there and play full court, man-to-man, trap all over this floor for 16 minutes. And I don't want to hear anybody getting tired. You're not tired. This is for sectional finals. And uh, I don't know if we can catch them. I said to him, I said, I don't know if we can catch them. We're 15 down and they're really good, but we're going to try. Well, we went out, first possession, they get possession, they go down score. Now we're 17 down, so we haven't accomplished the thing, and the second <laughs> half started. So I'm telling you, Nate, I've, I've never seen a team play as hard as our guys. At the end of the third, I think we were eight down. Okay. We cut into their lead pretty good, and, and they did not like to get pressed. They they were fighting it all over, making terrible passes and arguing amongst themselves and traveling, and I we had them. I told Warren in uh, the beginning of the fourth quarter, I said, we're going to win this game. And same thing in the fourth quarter. They're throwing the ball all, all over the gym. The only thing we did, we missed a couple chippy shots on turnovers, and that really hurt, and— we lost the game by three. I remember it was really close at the end. Lost the game by three. And, I mean, we did lose, but what we did is run out of time. If we had one more minute, I'm convinced we would have won that game. And we and we didn't. And that was as hard a loss as I've ever been around. Um, I mean, there was tears flowing that day. And uh, I got in the car, and we had, we had a house in Florida. And... Uh, I told my wife, so I got to get away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I did for about a week. I went down there for, by myself. It was just, oh, it was heartbreaking. I mean, it was brutal because <laughs> I knew how hard we worked, you know, but it's the way it goes. Was that the group? I'm trying to remember your Nate Craft group. Mm-hmm. Um, Nate was on that team. Yes, yes. Good team. Yeah. Good team. Yeah. Nate Craft, maybe Christian. Aloisio, yes, was he, he was on, he that, was on team? that team. He was a character. He got called, he got called <laughs> to us too bad because Christian, Christian rubbed some guys the wrong way, um, some parents the wrong way, but I got along great with him. I thought he was very, he was very coachable with me. Um, he, he was a different kind of kid, different style than yes. what everybody was used to. Exactly. A little too fancy at times and a little too much playground at times, but he was a great kid once you got to know him. And, that 16 minutes, he played harder than anybody. He was a tremendous athlete with a great motor. And he would come to the yeah. to our to our huddles and look the guys in the eye that day. We're not losing this game. Yeah. We're not going to lose it. And uh, wow, he was. He, it was some, and uh, he really took it hard. <laughs> what was it like working with a guy like Nate Kraft? I always felt like Nate. <laughs> I, for whatever reason, he got a lot of praise, but I, I thought he could have gotten more. You know, I don't know if he was just, he kind of made it. You'd think, oh, he had 10 points tonight and he'd have 25. Like he kind of just mm-hmm. was smooth and, and, and made it look easy at times. I, uh, when I was, I first, I think it was my first year over there, maybe my second, I can't remember, but Nate was a freshman. And um, Dave Kelly had, of course, he was Nate was going to be his star on JVs, and but Dave let him roam outside, and he was shooting threes and everything. Mm. And I took Warren aside. I said, "Warren, you're wasting that kid." 
I'm telling you, he's not a three-point shooter. He's going to, when he's older, he's going to dominate inside. He's going to dominate. I said, look at him. Yeah. And so I went in one night. I got thinking about it during the day, and I walked. I had drove over, and I walked into the coach's room. And I said, I got something to say before we start tonight. I said, Nate Kraft needs to come up on varsity. Well, Dave immediately said, no, <laughs> no, he's not going to varsity. I said, hear me out. And he goes, he's not going to play enough to play on varsity. I said, we'll get him in games, but he needs to practice with the varsity guys. He needs to get banged around in there. He needs to get toughened up. And well, we had Matt Ennis and uh, yes, wow, who was a beast. Oh, you know, two hundred fifty, <laughs> yeah. two hundred seventy-five pounder, big guy, big guy, good guy, but big guy. And it, I, I talked till I didn't have any breath left, and finally Warren said, "All right, we'll try it." Yeah, but if I don't like it, he's going back. Fine. We took Nate aside and said, "What? You're not going to be the star. You're not going to get the minutes you're getting now, but we want you to come up and try it." He came up, and first couple nights, he, he came over to me. He was had tears in his eyes. Coach, I'm getting pounded. I can't do a thing in there. I said, you need to pound them back. Yeah. When they hit you, hit them back. Well, it didn't take long. And then he just <laughs> he fell in love with the game of basketball in on the interior, not just the outside. And uh, he went on to have a great career. Just Nate was a super coachable kid. What was that like for you going over – you're working with the Dell High staff, but you're kind of quote unquote like the new guy to have the, the I don't want to call it guts, but just like this needs to be said. Like, how do you, what advice would you give a young coach when you have something to add and you just have to say it sometimes? Well, you, you need to believe, believe in what you feel. And, and uh, if you're right, stick up for yourself. Um, I went over there when Warren called me up to go over and help and I, I didn't know what to say, really. And I knew what their philosophy had been and what kind of records they'd had. And like I said earlier, they're like, they were a 500 team every year. And um, so I said to Warren, he goes, I want you to teach us, the defense is yours. I want you to come over here and teach us man-to-man, in-your-face, man-to-man pressure defense. I said, Warren, that takes work. The kids, <laughs> the kids have to work. Not like playing a 2-3 zone. You've got to get after them. And I said, I'll leave it at this. If the kids, if I come over there and the kids buy in, we'll change the culture. Mm. If they don't buy in, I'm not driving over here anymore. I'm not going to fight them on it. Right. They have to buy in. Well, Nate, I'm telling you, it took like three or four practices and everything changed. They couldn't wait to get the basketball practice. Right. They couldn't wait to to start trapping. They couldn't wait to do defensive slides. They ate it up from top to bottom, from best player to worst player. And the culture and everybody, I mean, we started playing teams and in-your-face defense and the the more and more people started coming to games and the parents got into it and the student section over there got loud. Oh, my gosh. And It's still like that. And the, and the players just loved it. They fell in love with that. You know, everybody's coming out to watch us now, and this is why we're playing in your face defense, and uh, Connor Giaffe, who I got real close with, oh, um, one of the best. Yeah, great kid, great kid, great family. Um, he uh, said something special at senior night, which I can't repeat or I'll lose it. But um, <laughs> it really meant a world, the world to me. But they were great over there, and and they now they've just kept it going. 
Connor's one of those kids that I didn't realize because he was in the first few years of me doing this job that kids like that don't come along every day. Mm-mm. And to me, just he was here when I got here. So it's like, oh, yeah, it must, they're a dime a dozen. No, no, he, no, no. Special young man still is. I get to see him all the time because he's watching his siblings play and and family members play. And uh, he's doing great. Yeah. He's doing yeah. great. Him and uh, another one was Ben Brannigan. Ben yes. Was, ben was a special player. Special player. All the Brannigan boys that I've gotten to cover, just uh, like top-notch people. Yes, great family. Great family. Yep. They'll come and give you 110%, no, no lip. You Every know. night. Yeah. No, the most coachable kids that, you know, they they just don't come around like that very yeah. often. You know, Warren's COVID team, I really wish... Exactly. That team had had a chance. They to, got robbed. Yeah. They did. They I mean, got they, robbed. They had their little COVID season. They went... 12 and 0 I think. I know mm-hmm. they were undefeated. Mm-hmm. I got to see him play several good teams and and they looked great. And I th- I thought of that because of uh Luke Brannigan was on that team, but that's a team I'm like, who knows. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Football and basketball. Yeah. Where they would have gone. But. Warren gave me a call just a couple of days ago. He knew we were coming up. He wanted to know if we were here and that. And he says we're playing. We're playing home against Sydney on Friday. I said I'll be there. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm driving down again from <laughs> East Greenbush to Delhi. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them. That should be a good game. And by the time I probably release this, it'll be over. But Sydney's got some some nice talent, and I think this Delhi team could be very special this year. I think they're figuring it out. Um, They've lost a couple of early ones against had, bigger schools, exactly. But, and I don't think they were prepared for that. Because I know he took them this summer. He took them down to the Binghamton Summer League yeah. and played all those guys down there. And I, I think he was thinking, you know, we've played the big guys. We can handle the big guys. Well, he just found out you can't handle the big guys yet. Exactly. Maybe you can later, but not now. I think we'll we'll see as the season goes how those losses help or hurt them, I guess. Right. I mean, sectional point-wise, it will, sure. will help them out. Sure. But I think right now they're looking for that identity. And I think once they get in the league, my gut is telling me they're going to be fine uh, because they've put in the work and they still love to play that pressure defense. Yes. I love watching yes. them. It's like a tornado yes. out yes. there. <laughs> Although he did tell me they're not going to play as much man this year. They're they're bigger. They I guess they have a big, big team. They do. And he says that we're just not quick enough to really pressure people. So I think he's playing something different. I don't want to put out there what he told me, but... <laughs> but uh, I don't no. know what they're putting in the water right now, but they got some some good big size. Guys, big yeah. Guy. yeah, he was he was listing them off to me on their size. Like, wow. And they they don't have a lot of uh, they don't have a big bench. I don't I don't mean they don't have great depth, but it. Uh, I think they're only running maybe nine guys, something like that. And I'm seeing a lot of teams do that, yes. only running eight, nine, ten yes. guys. So. That's okay as long as you can get by in practice. Well, you know, it's nice to have ten, so you go five on five. But as long as you get by in practice. Eight or nine, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Well, as we hit the home stretch, I got a couple more for you. Um, since I have you right here and you got your notes, <laughs> we're always curious. Do you do you have a total win total or a, a year that was your best year? Oh, I, we love getting the stats, Coach. My total total <laughs> is 276 and 122. Wow. Okay. So That's uh, great. Yeah. I, I mean, I... I when you're all done, I guess you look at wins and losses and championships and everything else. I'm very disappointed. We won two MAC championships. The best time of my coaching career was three years in a row when we played Sydney three times in a row at SUNY. 
Yeah. And uh, for the MAC championship. And Mike got us the first year. Um, he had a very good team that year. The second year was our really good team, and we got him. And then the third year, he had beaten us in uh, in the league, and we went up there and shocked him. And that was that was a fun. Wow. Uh, that was a fun day. <laughs> in those, not many people gave us a chance that day. In those three years, who were your who were your horses on those teams? Oh, geez. Oh. <laughs> I had a lot of good guys. I mean, my probably my toughest kid was Tyler Butler. Yeah, um, what a bull! You know, I had Travis Woods, who's now the Unitigo coach. Yeah, he yeah. he turned into be a really good player. He kept getting taller and taller and taller, and <laughs> boy, by his senior year, he was tough. Um, He's got a fire about him. He does that. I don't know if many people have it, and he has it as a coach too. And I, it's fun to watch. Yeah, did he have that as a player? Uh, I. N- not early. Right. Early, he was he was a pushover. You know, he he didn't like contact. Right. But his junior senior year, he dished it out. He was he, his senior year, he dominated the league. Yeah. No, nobody could touch him underneath. He just and that allowed our guards to pressure. So if they did get beat, he was back there and just swatted shots away. Um, yeah, I wouldn't want to meet him in the paint. No, with, no, with, no. He was with the he, way he was I very good. saw him play. Or, you know, read about watching him play uh, late in his career and into college, too. Yep. Sounds like he had a very nice college career. He did. I used to go watch him up at Cobleskill. And he, he blend, I, 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 I sort of worried about him when he first went there. I didn't know because that was a fast-paced game. If he could keep up, boy, that coach handled him fine. And he turned <laughs> into a really nice player. And one, one place he turned it around, I always thought, is another two crazy things I did. I took my team's on uh, this December tournaments, we went to one, we went to San Diego and one, we went to Orlando. Oh, and wow. He wasn't on the San Diego trip, but he was on the Orlando trip. And we went down there and played schools from different States. Um, he really, really got some confidence. And when we came home, <laughs> he was really, he had turned into a really different player. He was tough. So you say the third the third time you play Sydney, mm-hmm. you, you shock them in the MAC championship. Mm-hmm. Why, why didn't anyone give you guys a chance that year? Well, they be, they had beaten us pretty easy in the MAC. I think they won that game by twelve or fourteen points. And usually our games are really close. You right. Know? Mike got the better of of me over the years, but it very seldom was it a blowout. And uh, we didn't. We just didn't. Play. I mean, Mike's team played well that night, and uh, we didn't play well. But I knew we could play better. So going in the championship game, you know, we sort of use that. You know, we're the underdog here, and and nobody's given us a chance. But we give ourselves a chance, and we played so well that day. And uh, it was overtime, but we held on in overtime. That's great. That was a that was a that was a special day. I'll ask your opinion on two Unitigo guys that I've really enjoyed covering over the last ten years. And I know you've watched enough of them play probably to to give me your opinion on Shea Barber and Tanner Winchester, two thousand point scores at Unitigo. Tanner, I had. I knew you had him. I had him as a sophomore. Early, right? Yep. yep. I had him as a sophomore and uh, very coachable kid, and he he blossomed into into a really special player. Yeah. Shea, I, I only saw just a few times. I okay. Mean, that kid could shoot it. There's no question about that. But. Um, you know, he's. I think he's playing at Hartwick. He's playing at Hartwick. Um, still finding his way there, but doing a great job right. and just loves the game. 
And I think he's one of those kids that tell him what to do and he'll do it. Yes. And I think, I think early on, and I think this is fair to say, some people wondered where his road would take him. Yes. You know, and it seems like the more time that went on, the harder he worked, the more time he put in in the offseason. Because there was a lot of demands on him. They want him to play football. They want him to be the quarterback. They want him to play shortstop on the baseball team. Exactly. They're pulling him all over the place. And I felt like he he put the time in with basketball, and he's loving it at Hartwick from what I can tell. Mm -hmm. He was at the girls' game last night. He's still coming back to support the team. That's nice. That's nice. I know his dad. His dad's a great guy. Great guy. Andy's a great guy. And so I know I know Shay's leadership, you know, at yes. least at home, was right right on, you know, spot on. And I need to get Shay on sometime, and I need to get Tanner on sometime. Tanner was the first year I had my job here. I think he was a senior. And I've just never been more impressed with a kid on the football field, whatever he did. Yes. He just seemed to be very good at it yep. and so natural. He was a natural. He's very low-key. Yes. Um, but he had a fire inside. But, I mean, he, he very seldom lost his temper. And uh, at least in the basketball venue, he could really, he, he could play. That kid could play. So you would have had Tanner and Kellen Commenda together? I had, t- yes. That must have been a fun group. The, the group that I left, they were still, Tanner was a, Tanner was a junior and Kellen was a senior. And I left that, t- those guys, I left that team to the next guy. Yeah. And that, that, that hurt me a little bit. I shouldn't have done that. But, yeah. <laughs> but then, yeah, they were, they were two special players. Kellen and I were very close and, and him and uh, Missy and Jamie, his parents, uh, we used to go out to dinner with them a lot. And uh, yeah, yeah that, that's a real, real great family. Hey, I wasn't sure. I know when you left, it was tough, probably very tough to leave that team on the table. Um but life changes and things yeah, happen, and, yeah. and I know how that goes. And Warren called me. I, w- I was just going to retire, and Warren called me and come over there and help. And one thing that really did hurt was, uh, I think it was the second year, it was Tanner's senior year. We had to, our Delhi team had to go to Unitigo, and that was tough sitting on the opposite bench. But Yeah, I can't um, imagine. And uh, we ended up winning that game, and the only reason we won it was Tanner fouled out mm. on a very questionable call. And... Uh, their coach got teed up over it, and I probably would have too. But uh, <laughs> as soon as he left the game, the entire game changed, and it was close. And and uh, Matt Ennis was there, and he and he just took the game over. They had nobody inside that could play with them. And, yeah. But that was a difficult night going in there and and beating that Unitigo team, especially with Tanner on it. Well, before we ask you our last hard hitting question, is there anything I've missed? Anything on your notes that you felt? No, not really. Covered pretty much everything. You know, had some had some good nights and not so good nights, but that'll happen in coaching. That's for sure. And so how often are you up? So you're in Florida now. We are. We uh we were snowbirds for like five years going back and forth and then it just got it's just difficult having two places. So we had a place in Oneana we sold this summer and uh so we moved down to our place in Florida. We're 20 miles south of Tampa on the West Coast. And we've met a lot of nice people, a lot of great friends down there. And uh, so we're, I just got my Florida driver's license the other day and wow. changed, put the Florida plates on the van. So, so we're there. We're going to come up. We come up for a week here to spend uh, with our kids for early Christmas. And then we'll be up for probably a month or so in the summer. Okay. Well, maybe during the summertime, we'll come back and 
rehash the basketball season sure, and, sure. And, and talk it over. But so now that you're in Florida, do you have, you know, we ask all our guests, favorite local place to eat around here. Is there a spot that you're missing when you're in Florida? Club 55. Mm. Without, without question, Club 55. I, I have them on Facebook, and I they do a video of their uh, buffet, their Friday night buffet, and they scan that, and <laughs> my mouth waters when I see it. But, yeah, we uh, uh, we used to play golf. My wife and I both played. We're members at uh, Sydney Golf Course, and Jeanette and Erica were up there in the in restaurant. And yeah. So that's how we got close to them. Great place. I often meet Coach Conway there for oh, I'm sure. for lunch because yeah. he seems to not be able to get away from Amphenol. He retires; they keep bringing him back. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. that whole song and dance. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. Yeah. Uh, he'll often text and say, "You free for lunch?" And if I'm in town here in Sydney, um, we try to meet up. So. Sure, Bob's a great guy. Well, Coach, thank you. This was awesome. Great trip down memory lane. I learned a lot today, and we'll do it again. Okay, Nate, thank you. I really appreciate putting me on. Oh, anytime, anytime. That'll wrap up episode 238 here on the podcast with Unitigo, longtime Unitigo, and I should say Delhi coach as well, <laughs> Jim Knight. And uh, go back in the archives. We've had a lot of Unitigo guests to Delhi guests on. I'm still working on getting Warren and, and Dave on here. We've been going back and forth for about two years now trying to set it up. He's very sly about <laughs> trying to get out of it. So we'll get him. We'll get him at some point, but... So that'll wrap it up. Again, check back in the archives. Thanks to all our sponsors, and we'll see you again soon on the Nate Law Podcast. You've been listening to the Nate Law Podcast. Download each new episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.